0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute, the only show where your two hosts sit on the floor and talk about Fantastic Mr. Fox one minute at a time.
1: We do sit on the floor a lot to record this show. You, it, it,
0: there's only so much room in the world, Kondra. Uh, hey, that's your name, and my name's Tyler Boudreaux, and why don't you say your full name or whatever you want to say?
1: I'm Condra. We're the Amateur Nerds.
0: Yes, that's our little brand name that we've come up with uh Attract an audience, and make us make us seem professional by calling us amateurs. Anywho, <laughs> minute eighty-three. <laughs> minute eighty-three is what we're talking about today, which consists, or sorry, consists of mostly credits, but consists
1: we, of all credits.
0: We switch from fun credits to scroll credits. Ah, uh, so we begin with the fun credit for the production designer Nelson Lowry, and we end in the additional voice cast in order of appearance. With Nathan Bunce, whom we've talked about before, and i'm I didn't write down the actor's name of
1: wow, way to give credence to Bunce of the trio Bogus Bung- Bunce and B
0: well, he was the last one we got, sorry. <laughs> So, Condra, we've got a lot of like weird, wild stuff to talk about this minute. I don't know really know where to start.
1: Let's just get this out of the way. We transition from the end of Letter Dance or Letter Dance Finishes. Yes. They finish playing Letter the Dance. Music. And we switch into a very twangy, very I think it's more bluegrass like it's more like backcountry bluegrassy kind of version. It's basically a lyricless version of PD song. Yes. Um, but I feel like there's some extra twangs that aren't super noticeable cuz there's also this like humming underlay to it too and there's a whistling. It just feels more like banjo twangy.
0: I don't know if it feels more twangy than the original the the genre is definitely like your bluegrass folk music anyway. So, yeah, so over the scrolling credits, we get this lyricless version of Petey's song. And it, basically the humming and the whistling are doing the uh, the melody of the song. And we also, there's a strong uh, jaw harp presence. Yeah. And.
1: Maybe it's just a jaw harp. Because <laughs> I know there's a jaw harp in Petey's song, but like a jaw harp for me has very specific connotations and like associations in my brain.
0: But it's it's a very fun version of the song. It's 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 amusing to hear over the credits. I
1: was very taken aback. I think it's because I haven't seen the movie in so so long, like in its entirety, and like I don't know if I've actually ever gotten to this point in the credits. My bad. I apologize. <laughs> I
0: definitely remembered that it existed.
1: I've n- I don't ever remember hearing this version before because it's not on the soundtrack. But it is fun and jaunty and like. A nice balance to scroll in credits.
0: I like your type of credits song where it's like a version of the song you heard earlier in the movie, but like less. Not...
1: So not like Demi Lovato's version of Let It Go at the end of Frozen.
0: Yes, the opposite of that. Or uh what's the one in uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights?
1: Oh, it's um, When Will My Love... Uh, what is that song? Um... Who is the man?
0: Yeah, who yeah. is the one or who something like
1: that? Who is the like one? That. Yeah, and it's this like, it's like Celine this big Dion version. Like,
0: yeah, I don't, I don't it's know. If not it's not
1: Celine Dion, but
0: it's it's, it's that type of it's music. That type of music. And that one's weird because it's hard to know if like if we're making fun of that type of movie thing by having such a bad version of it because it really is just grindingly terrible.
1: But you know what's a good end credit bop? True to your heart by 98 Degrees and Stevie Wonder at the end of Mulan. That is a So yeah, bomb.
0: that would be the extra on top. Is that even in the main movie?
1: No. It's...
0: It's just kind of accompanying?
1: Yeah, it's, um, like... I mean, Wreck-It Ralph does... It's, um, um Men in Black.
0: Oh, so it's...
1: It's the Men in Black Sting.
0: So it... does, But does it recap the plot?
1: Kind of... Baby, I knew at once that you were meant for me.
0: So there's, there's my
1: soul. I knew that I'm your destiny.
0: <laughs> oh, you're in shore. So Don't the tide. There's the hip-hop recap of the, the movie. Yeah. Those are mostly your Will Smith version.
1: Wreck-It Ralph has one, too. Wreck-It, Wreck-It Ralph, which is the Mr. Pac-Man reincarnation for Wreck-It Ralph, but it basically tells the plot of at least the video game. Yeah. Um, which I would put in that genre. Then there's the pop rehash of the song in the movie, like, Demi Lovato's Let It Go. Or
0: there's the just pop song that is marketing the movie.
1: Like Trolls.
0: Or Titanic, My Heart Will Go On.
1: Yeah. Which, I think, is Letter Dance supposed to be that song? Like, the credit song for this?
0: No, Letter Dance is the dance party song.
1: Okay, so then, Petey's song lyricless—that's more of a score kind of thing, though.
0: It, a little bit. I w- the thing I'm equating it most to is in Spider-Man: Into the Spider-Verse. <gasps> yeah. When we hear uh, Spidey bells, yes. This is a slightly different version of it because when you hear Spidey bells at the end of Spider-Man: Into the Spider-Verse, it's. Hearing the whole portion of a song that you heard only some of during the course of the movie. That's also definitely a version of songs you hear during the credits.
1: Yeah. What I just thought of, too, at the end of the 2019 Dumbo, they do a little bit version, um, like, little bit of the score of When I See an Elephant Fly, which does not make an appearance in the the that's new a, version. That's great. In, like, the course of the 2019 version, but it is, like, one of these songs from... Oh, what about, like, I'm just thinking, like, Bippity Boppity Boo from the new version of Cinderella. That doesn't make an appearance in the movie, but Helena Bottom Carter sings it for the credits.
0: That's, I think that's unique because it's like a Disney live action remake. It's such the specific circumstance of, like, this is a song that exists but it's not in the movies. I'm mean, put it in the credits. Same thing with your Hairspray adaptation. Oh,
1: yeah, with um, Cooties at the end, where that well, there's was like in the original play. in the credits, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Cooties is the big one because that one was in the play and didn't make it to the cut of the movies. Either movie.
0: Well, the original movie is not a musical, so...
1: The original movie is a musical?
0: There, there's music in it, but it's but not a musical, like the, a stage musical. Not adaptation. the way
1: the new version of Hairspray. The 20... 20- 2007. What was that? With John Travolta. Yeah.
0: 2008
1: or 2007. Yeah. It was right around the time of High School Musical 2. So maybe yeah. 2008 2009.
0: Zephron. Zephron. In his early prime. <laughs> Zephron's always in his prime. There's There has been no end to Zephron's prime. I still think he should do an action movie like baywatch or like no like a real action like movie. a real action movie i think he should stop like making, the meg he should stop making bad comedies no not not even not even a schlocky one a real action movie
1: example of a real action movie
0: the born identity
1: oh i don't know i never i think of that more as a thriller that's an
0: action movie okay I like like a like a James Bond movie. Like there's like what if like- you? I mean, I'm super
1: excited for the next James Bond. She's really cool.
0: I'm holding my finger up. She's double o seven.
1: <laughs> but
0: she she's not playing the character James Bond.
1: Lady Thor. She's the version. She she's Lady Thor. Yeah. Of the James Bond universe.
0: Yes.
1: She's picking up the mantle of double o seven.
0: Yes. Even though the plot of the movie is most certainly going to be James Bond is back and he's gonna be 007 again. by other lady.
1: Yeah. But I'm hoping it's more of a Lady Thor idea or a She-Hulk where, like, it is this really cool, like, alter... Not alternative universe, but because that's more like Spider-Gwen, but, like, the a new person picks up the mantle and has to keep this standard of this ultimate yeah like tag basically yeah like only the best person is going to be 007
0: yeah it's it's just weird like it's weird because you associate 007 with James Bond and to like you don't want to give like the revitalized character the baggage of being that certain character yeah because that character comes with its cool like cool character characteristics but also its drawbacks
1: like being a womanizer
0: yeah so like when when people say like there can't be a female James Bond not not that i agree with them because there obviously is room there is wiggle room but like if we want to address the misogyny that is in the history of the James Bond movies making the character of James Bond female is probably not going to be the best way to do that
1: yeah, no, definitely, in in the same way, like, these other female reboots, while awesome for representation of people in media and, like, giving the opportunity for people to see people like them in big, iconic roles, they're not always done with the same tender, loving care. Yeah. Speaking of tender, loving care, let's talk about some of these cast peoples that have worked on or some crew members that have worked on this film uh our film fantastic mr fox that we have given a lot of tender love and care to
0: yes tlc that's a band right uh
1: waterfalls yes excellent Uh song so i looked up the animate the people that made the puppets because obviously i did if that's all i talk about this movie is animation yeah. Um, do you want to talk about them first? Or yeah, jump part? into it. Alrighty. So, the puppets were made by McKinnon and. So, the puppets were made Saunders? by Mac- McKinnon and Saunders, who have 30 years' history in the business. They have done a whole lot. Wi- Between
0: them, over 30 years of special effects experience. Yo! That was a Mythbusters reference for the listeners at home.
1: Uh, so, they have worked on a whole variety of shows. I'm going to throw out a few at you. Um, Hit
0: me with those shows, yeah, those hot hot shows.
1: All right, well, they've done some films and some TV shows and then some commercials and stuff too. So some of their films include Corpse Bride.
0: Um, just just list them, so I'm not going to react to every single one.
1: Okay, well, so they worked with Tom um, Tim Burton for quite a few films.
0: Uh, Corpse Bride <laughs> and his brother Tom Burton. <laughs> <laughs> Whoop.
1: Uh, so Corpse Bride, Mars Attacks, and Frankenweenie. And so they've done, and they also did the promo work for Tim Burton the exhibition when um, he had an exhibition about a lot of his puppets and props. Cool. They also did work on Bob the Builder.
0: Can he fix it?
1: Yes, he can. Uh, the f- f- uh, Rubba Dubbers, which was a Nick Jr. show back in the day.
0: Yeah, not familiar.
1: Uh, it was probably just a, mm, yeah. It might be. Um, they did the Puffs tissue commercials. Yes
0: the the young the young boy with the red nose. And yeah,
1: the- yeah, like the that iconic red nose kind of thing. Yeah, um, they also did the Chips Ahoy claymation I'm
0: vaguely remembering that.
1: Okay, so. And they also do, like, concept work, too. So, they made the, um, one I got very excited to see was they did the 3D models before, like, the artist visions of Quest for Camelot, which was, um, an early, or, what was that, 20th Century Fox film, um, around this time of Anastasia. I think it came out in 1997, it was in the same vein as, like, Anastasia and those kind of movies where it had a musical, it had the big, like, comedian guest, like, star as a wacky sidekick, in a very similar vein to Mulan. Yeah. Um. Eric Idle was that wacky comedian. Very
0: much playing on the formula of a Disney movie.
1: Yeah, but... But
0: before Disney, kind of...
1: It was during the Renaissance era.
0: What year was it?
1: 96 seven
0: so if it was after aladdin then yes Yes.
1: but probably in production in 1998
0: so so yeah very much a disney ripoff oh
1: yeah yeah and i mean you have anastasia too that had come out within that era of movies and it they're all trying to play off each other and all the other studios are trying to play to the Disney Renaissance,
0: but specifically the idea of like you have only main character and then your funny sidekick, yeah, your star comedian person, yeah, whom you're gonna do all the marketing around,
1: and you have a lot like weird musical breakout numbers, yes, uh, which this movie definitely had, but it is also a really fun watch. It's a little dated, um, but if you're into like the whole Camelot lore and legend, it's, it's <laughs> you a- know
0: I love lore.
1: It's a fun, it's a fun little romp. Um, I have fond memories of it. I actually have watched it recently. I watched it with some friends not too long ago, and you know, it. A lot of movies are a little dated, but it's still not a bad time.
0: Especially those old James Bond movies. Am I right?
1: Mm. <laughs> um.
0: I'm wh- sorry for. I'm actually you earlier.
1: Yeah. Rude. Oh, Paranorman was the other one that they had done work on. I'm trying to see if there's anything else like really big that you would know I I think I'm a little more familiar with some children's television just because I
0: you're just more interested in it in than animation I am. Yeah.
1: it's more the animation side of it but they also do CG and 3d modeling so they're they do this whole wide variety of art and media so and they work on short films, commercials,
0: And so this would have been the crew that was responsible for making and doing the puppetry.
1: Yes. So they would have built the skeletons, um, the latex outer body structures for the humans, and then the fur for the... The animals, and one of the interesting things I was reading when I was reading a little bit on McKinnon and Saunders' website was they had to rev- they were reviving and trying to work off of a very traditional puppetry style. So this goes back to like King Kong, and, and a like, lot
0: of this, a lot of what Wes Anderson was going for too was the like Rankin and Bass, like
1: exactly. So like this very traditional style where they as a company, worked a lot with clay. And they had a very clay-based appearance for a lot of their stop-motion characters. So I think bringing in the fur added a technical element that they probably had worked somewhat with, but not to the extent of over 100 puppets that they had to make for this movie.
0: Oh, I have the number of puppets. 535.
1: Okay, their website said just over 100, so... There are
0: just over 100 Mr. Fox alone. One hundred two.
1: Oh, okay. Maybe that's what the website was Here's referring to. That's what IMDb to
0: Trivia told me.
1: Okay. Well, you know, either...
0: They might have made themselves over 100 and then maybe another company or, filled in. Or, yeah,
1: or they made the molds or, for these 100... 100- for every
0: puppet they have, there's like three different sizes, so something like that.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know how they quantify their numbers... Um it's that's really interesting though, hundred and two Mr. Foxes. But that does make sense because you have all this. He's in so many costumes. different outfits.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and I don't think we've really talked about that, but the way stop motion works, often the heads are one of the things most frequently changed out. So you'll have a hundred heads depending on the emotion the character's feeling. Um I'm sure before and after his scratch and his scarring process, mm-hmm. that's gonna be a whole bunch of different puppets um just because it's easier to get the shape if you think of like a surprised face your sh- your your face goes into a di- distinct shape that you need a separate puppet for the, at least the head in comparison to like a frowning face or an angry face yeah
0: the amount of work that it takes to change the face would be too much to do in between each shot to go from like Ugh, to ah, with-
1: Tyler yeah, tried non-verbal, uh, non-visual medium. Tyler made like a gross face and then kind of a snarky face.
0: So, yes, uh, I'm good at this. But, yeah, it would be too much work to change the expression. What you can do is just pop off a head. Yeah. Put a new head back on. This is most famous probably for Jack Skellington.
1: I think, yeah. I can like, imagery-wise, people might have m- more often seen the Jack Skellington heads. I
0: would imagine with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Because the puppet's a lot more complex. They probably were working with the same base most of the time. Yeah. But.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you can make, it's like a tiny, think of like a clock, the inner workings of a clock with all these gears and like to rotate. Very
0: steampunked.
1: Very steampunked, yeah. (laughs) Um, That's like two weeks in a row now we've mentioned steampunk, awesome.
0: Did we mention steampunk last week? (laughs) Or
1: maybe two weeks ago. Um, I don't
0: remember mentioning Steampunk recently at all. I, it's probably something that's come up because I love mentioning it. <laughs>
1: um, but, like, when you, you can lower the jaw by rotating a gear. So it is like a little. It's <laughs> He's a, a real little gear head. Ma- it's a ma- little machine in there. So, so, what else have you got for fun facts?
0: Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm going to go through some IMDb trivia.
1: As we know, it is questionably real because it is audience submitted. But,
0: uh, but I think these are relatively fair. Uh, kind of t- keep going off of what you were going off of. Apparently, the uh, animal hair and human hair is all real. Oh, we may have talked about this before. I don't I remember. Don't
1: think so. I didn't know that.
0: But part of it, part of why the animal hair sometimes has the ripples between shots, other than that gives it a natural look to it, is that it's much more harder to deal with. So when you're touching it every between every shot, that's what's gonna be part of the effect and the human hair on the human puppets but that's its own thing
1: yeah and that's pretty i've seen that before with other like even puppet puppets like hand controlled puppets that's been done
0: um in terms of the animation style that we were talking about comparing it to like the old-fashioned stuff this was shot this film was shot at 12 frames per second instead of 24 Mm -hmm. which is the standard uh to give it intentionally that look that you you would know you were watching stop-motion animation movie. And well, Might have lightened the load a, a tad.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, guess there's
0: a little bit more pressure on each shot, but...
1: Yeah, it, I mean, was this in digital? Do you know?
0: When it was, like, sent to movie theaters? No. Would it have
1: been? No, would it have been shot digitally?
0: I would... I, I read an IMDb trivia thing that it was shot on, like, a, like a Nikon oh. camera or whatever.
1: That doesn't
0: but I i Nikon I ama- does
1: both digital and I would film. imagine
0: it was film. Okay. This was this was before that this was before movies were predominantly produced in digital. Uh I know this mainly through theater distribution, but the first movie to that, that was distributed to theaters only digitally predominantly was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Oh. And that wasn't until, like, 2012. Yeah. Before that, they were sending all on film. Oh,
1: I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, the the technology wasn't there to, like, be doing such big...
1: Files. That files, makes sense. probably. Yeah.
0: It might be Part 1, but still, late 2010s, so... Yeah. And Wes well, Anderson being a... Quirky a, a, a filmmaker. A quirky filmmaker, yeah. He's probably, probably shooting the film. on film. Because that's going to get you a better resolution anyway, and yeah, uh, fifty-six thousand shots in total. And that's probably a rounded number. Okay, so this is this is an interesting one, or should I? Sh- I'll save the interesting one for the end. We'll go through a couple of these f- just random ones. Uh, the train on yeah. Ash's table is the same train, apparently, as the big one we see. Oh! so just through force perspective, they can kind of make it look.
1: That's wicked cool.
0: Foxes bare their teeth when they're scared, so when Fox makes his weird grin face, that might be a reflection of an actual Fox behavior. Same thing as the ear twitch. Yeah. And apparently, uh, Rural Doll's widow was named Felicity. That was her name. So, oh. if Mrs. Fox doesn't have a book, a name in the book, mm-hmm. then it was pulled for the movie uh, to be Felicity.
1: That's nice.
0: And then the interesting... Although...
1: I do have a little bit of a qualm with that, which I'm going to derail your facts for just a second. He was not so great to his wife, and they did separate um, legally because he was quite distant to his wife, and there was a whole car accident. Like, there was a lot going on. Was that his first or his second wife? Do you know?
0: I'm not sure. Okay. might have been a later wife.
1: Okay. Because I know his first wife, he was not so good to.
0: That's entirely possible. Okay. Last fun piece and then we'll wrap it up dialogue for this movie was not recorded in the studio but recorded on location mm-hmm. we haven't talked about this yet
1: oh i knew that because i read some of the book
0: yeah so Sorry. when they were when they were you're yeah no okay we'll do it another run and then you'll go wow okay cool no nah. all right so when they were recording the dialogue for this movie it wasn't in studio it was on location okay okay <laughs> i'm gonna leave that all in <laughs> uh uh, so, the, so yeah, if they're in a the field, they're in a field. If yeah. they're underground, they I think they went underground. Yeah. But the fun part of this is that in a scene they were recording, the best take they recorded, there was a boat in the background. So when they put it on the film, they had to use that take. So that's why they put a plane in the background. So you can hear the plane in the background. It's the boat that was in the background. So that's the genuine reaction that I should cut back in.
1: (laughs) That's wiki cool. I didn't know that. But I did know they uh, recorded on location because I did read some of the book.
0: But what makes this so cool is that the the plane that's in the final shot of the movie uh, as the credits roll and the train throughout the movie, we notice that transportation motif just kind of there's things in the background of this movie it's not it doesn't have any impact on the plot yeah but we see these planes and these helicopters and like it's a thing in the movie so to know that that was like an some of it a, is just coincidental. was a coincidental. Out, or yeah but also thought out like mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to observe
1: yeah but would that have meant they recorded the dialogue first because you would have to then match it audio wise, like their lip move. I'm assuming because, like, the more I say this out loud, the more I think yes, this is true. Um, because they would have to record the animation to match the vo like the vocals, and then to add things like that plane where there's a boat take.
0: It has always been my assumption that when you're recording animated movie dialogue, that all of the recording happens first and then you have to animate to the the voice acting?
1: I think yes, to some extent, but then there are also, like, rewrites and stuff, depending on how certain shots go. Like, if you have to cut a scene, then you have to re-record the voices because of cost, like, costs to animate. Oh, yeah. Um. I know I was watching something about Shrek the other day. Well, yeah, the
0: famous one with Shrek is that Chris Farley had recorded all the
1: dialogue. 95%, but... Uh, Mike Myers recorded it all and then went back and was like oh wait I want to do this with a Scottish accent and then re-recorded it and they were like oh this is much better we'll scrap the months of work that we've been doing like four million dollars worth of animation and to have this Scottish accent and like it made it what it is
0: but yeah so clearly at, at the very least we know to an extent the animation is done to fit the dialogue yes and so, also presumably, this means Wes Anderson's, a lot of his directing work was probably done on set with the actors directing their voice acting, mm-hmm. and then a lot of the animation would have been done by the people who are experts at animation, obviously with, with some help from Wes Anderson. Yeah. But I even read online that he was re- remotely directing it for some point, for some parts of the animation.
1: I imagine with, like, the cinematographer that we talked about last week being a specialist in animation. Oliver, yeah. yeah. That... We would have some, like, Wes is only going to do, yeah, I'm on a first name basis with him now. Uh, Wes is only going to do so much in terms of animation direction and just to make it look stylistically like him, like those symmetrical shots, those like quirky cuts like we've talked about.
0: Well, he probably did a lot of storyboarding.
1: Yeah. But at the end of the day, like the cinematographer is going to have a huge impact.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap it up. I have a whole other thing saved for the next episode. That's great, but this has been fantastic mr fox minute eighty three I'm panicking. You should listen to the next episode, which will be minute eighty four and we're the amateur nerds. I'm Tyler Boudreaux.
1: I'm Condra uh
0: and we forgot to do the plugs so uh follow us on Twitter at amateur nerds or email us at amateur Present at gmail dot com
1: Rate, review, subscribe on the podcatcher you're listening to right now? Yeah. Why are you so panicking? I don't know. <laughs> We've done this 82 <laughs> times.
0: That's why. <laughs> I should be good at it, but I'm not. <laughs> Anywho, uh, listen to us next time for another fantastic episode of Fantastic Minute.
1: Fantastic.